0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode number 12 of the Legitimus Podcast, coming to you live from the great states of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Kentucky. As always, you have your three amigos with you today. Myself, Mike Miller from Double Bit Axe Company, Mr. Chris Killinger from Everything Ohio, and Roy Scott from the one, the only, the vintage Axe Works. Oh, yeah. So... Lot going on here on this rainy Wednesday. Cold here. Fall is trying to finally finally trying to take a grip. So, killer, we will start with you, my friend. What do we have going on? What's happening? What's new in the world of uh, goats or us?
1: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of goats, I got the goats have a new electric fence. Dang, already. Zap zap. So it's like 200 linear feet of. Netted electrified fence. So, um, that was interesting. I got that put up yesterday, and they they immediately figured out that that thing was electrified. <laughs> immediately. I felt bad actually. Um, but it's just, it's cool as shit. It's like you can move it pretty easily. You just like stick a stake in the ground and walk over and stick another stick in the ground and walk over. And then the unit that powers it, solar powered, which on today, I don't know how it's going to work because it's raining and dark outside. So probably, I'm probably going to have to run an extension cord out there and plug it in. So do gonna, you think
0: that the goats are smart enough to be able to figure that out? Like, will they be eventually be able to put two and two together? we like, hey, look, it's rainy, overcast day. The guard system is down. Let's make them run for
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) they might breached. They might. I didn't have any issues at all with those dudes. And then they broke out once. And then they broke out every day after that in the same fashion as the first time. Even though I reinforced that that area
0: where they broke out, they still broke out. So they might be coming enough to figure that out. Very interesting indeed. Always a good goat tail <laughs> coming from Ohio now. If they need a good goat tail, you know where to go. All right. Roy, what do we have going on down south? Have you fully recuperated?
2: I, yeah, I have. And uh, I would just like to formally apologize to for Chris Killinger um, <laughs> for being an ass. And uh, So, aside from that, I... Uh, honestly, I'd like to thank everyone that showed up. Um, I'd like to thank my wife Britt for putting up with all of our bullshit. Um, I know a lot of guys came from far away, so I really, really appreciate it. We had a great time. Uh, I'd like to thank Willie B for helping cook. Um, just, it was a great freaking time. Um, lots of axes, lots of bullshit. Um, I thought it went over really, really well. There was tons of beer, of which I had too much of all day long. And I slept all day Sunday. So I got up till. So you and... So I how many people crashed at my place? So there was Brent, there was you. Um, That one guy, Jason, he was all curled up on the couch, just passed out whenever you and I came in at four. <clears throat> and did Willie... Did he – oh, Taylor stayed in the in his car. Did Willie stay in his truck? Do you know? Does anyone know? Did Willie stay or did Willie go?
0: I don't think we ever actually figured that out because, remember, like he was just gone at some point during the night. I don't And we know. never saw him again.
2: I, I, thought,
1: I thought I saw him get in his truck and pull up in the driveway, and then it was sitting there for a while, and then it shut off. And I think he slept there for a while and then left.
0: Well, we're going to have to have Willie comment in on what he actually did because nobody knows where he was at and we're concerned now four days later.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I was really concerned about Charles uh, because we didn't go to bed until four in the morning and he was like, well, I guess it's time for me to go home. And it was like a two-hour drive yep. and he had to go to work the next day on Sunday. Yep. Um. There's just no way that I could have done that. That's just like... Total, total trooper. I was dead to the world on Sunday. So, again, I, we woke up, cooked some bacon, and then Britt and I cleaned up around the house. And it looked like a fucking frat party exploded in the shop and on the back patio. There was shit everywhere. There was like a hundred beer bottles, without exaggerations, shot glasses piled up, four and five freaking tall into the shop. Matthew Justice left an axe. He left a fucking sledgehead. Someone <laughs> left a Chargers. Uh, Matthew Justice also left a uh, an axe sheath. There were axes in there where I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I get a message later on from Charles. He's like, hey man. Oh, it was actually from Brent relaying the message. Hey man, you think you can pay me for those axes? And i I was like, oh shit, I bought axes yesterday and I totally freaking forgot about it. <laughs> so, all that being said, it was a huge success. And again, uh, thank you everyone for coming out and having a good time. Uh, Hawk Creek Blades came from Missouri. Taylor came from North Carolina. You came from Pittsburgh. Jason came from Illinois. And then the, all the Ohio clan. So it was just a really, really good turnout and, um, a good group of guys. And I could see this thing being an annual, an annual deal because it was that fun. Like, like, and that's the other thing. We, we don't, we all, we all know each other. We all talk to each other pretty frequently. But in person, we don't get together that often. And so when we do, it's just like a fucking blowout. Um, so maybe next year, I won't start drinking at 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it just went on too long. Man, I was just, uh, my body felt poisoned on Sunday. I did nothing except sleep. And then on Monday, I was just like, Still poking around, cleaning up. I did I did a few things in the shop, but by and large, yesterday was the official work day for Vintage Axe Works. That's all right. It was a gathering of uh, of great
0: epic proportions, no doubt about that. <clears throat> a ton of fun. It was it was really a great time. And to your point, just being able to meet everybody and actually talk one on one more in a group setting with all the guys. Um, yeah. obviously the, the vast majority of them I had never met face to face, uh, which was really, really awesome. And then being able to talk and talk shop and talk axes and getting educated. I mean, I got an education on quite a few things, which was awesome. Uh, talking to true blood obviously yeah. about the whole Alexandria experience and some of these axes and why they're marked as such. And now this, uh, this mystery H that we have that we believe is from these axes that came from the Kelly plant in Alexandria. We haven't officially proven that yet, but we got a lot of good info and a lot of good uh, substance to stand on to, to say that that's going to be called the true blood H from now oh, on. Oh shit. God. Uh, I was actually, we were just messaging back and forth here this morning. We were talking about that. And then we were talking about the Louisville ax and tool company and, Mm-hmm. um william sauger from warren and his involvement in that and this that and the other but being able to talk to him and get educated on that stuff and then i was you know, talking with messer and and um getting educated on a few things there that i didn't know about and it, it was awesome <coughs> it was just awesome being able to talk to the guys and and uh sharing stuff learning and um going from there so awesome so, what'd cool. y'all
2: think? What'd y'all think of uh, Daryl, my local hardware store owner? Isn't that guy awesome?
0: I loved him. He bought Max off me. <laughs> I loved him. Yeah, he was—he was—he was a good guy, cool cat. And you talk about someone that had an appreciation for history. He was telling stories about some of the knives that he has. Oh yeah, some yeah, old, yeah. Um, what were they Barlow knives? Which I know that name, and that's about it, because I'm not a knife guy. But he was talking about the rarity. And, you know, we, we got on the subject about, you know, guys buying axes and how rare that they are and the prices that are paid. And so he started talking about his Barlow knives, like what he's paid for some of those, which made me feel a lot better about what I paid for some axes. <laughs> <clears throat> but it was just really cool to be able to talk to somebody like that, that obviously has a ton of history and knowledge with everything related to that whole hardware scene. You know, we talked about the business a little bit, uh, but he was a really cool cat. I enjoyed talking to him.
2: Yeah, I should have hit him up earlier. Um, I totally forgot about it. My wife was kind of on my ass about, like, you need to invite Daryl. You need to invite Daryl because, you know, these local hardware stores, I mean, if you if you ever – you guys follow old tape. I mean, he, he goes out everywhere, and he – I don't want to say he's, like, documenting the death of these hardware stores, but he's making it real well known that, you know, all these local hardware stores are closing up, and it's just a big, big, sad ordeal. Um Luckily, Daryl at Maine's Hardware, he's been able to hang on. And I don't, I don't go there for um, large like lumber purchases or anything. But if there's something that I need, like that's the first place I go to check out. I mean, it's five minutes from my house, um, mm. and you walk into a store, and I don't want to say it's like a walk back in a time, but like there are some elements to it. He's got axes hung up on on display. He's got, and it's not just axes. This guy loves old tools in general. So he's got <clears throat> tobacco knives. He's got shelling equipment. Um, he's got froze. He's, he loves anvils. He, he's got old knives. I mean, just this dude is a true, true collector. Now, you know, whenever I go in there, we always just chit chat with each other and share pictures. and and so for the you already know the story, but for the other guys listening out there, um, I was in there oh, when was it? A month ago? Not a month, like several, several months ago, if not a year ago. And he he pulled me aside and he's like, Hey Roy, do you know where uh I can get that fire prevention axe? And I was like, You know what? I know I've seen it somewhere, I can't remember, but I know who will know where one is. And I sent you a text, and you immediately got back to me, and you sent me a link to Jim Bode's website, and I sent it to him. And as Daryl and I are talking to each other in the aisle of his store, he was like, just got it. And I was like, are you serious? He was like, yeah, you don't ever see these things. So the guy is a serious collector. He doesn't mess around. And... Uh, with regard to his knife collection, he doesn't say that he's North America's largest collector of barlows, but he says, other people tell me that I have the largest collection of barlows in North America. (laughs) Like he's very modest about things. Um, And it's sad because he and I have also talked, and this is very, very true for a lot of people um a little bit older than us that we meet all the time like they say that their their kids, their son, their daughter, their family, they're not interested in any of the stuff they have collected and it's really really sad because here's all of this amazing knowledge, all of these great amazing pieces that will never be made again and who knows what's going to happen to them Yep. If you can't pass them down, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not worth collecting because it's fun for the person collecting. But man, just like in the back of your head, if you don't have a plan, like this poor guy, he's thinking, well, my, none of my none of my kids want my stuff. Where is it going to go? What's going to happen to it? So you got to put a plan together. I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm in that category two. I don't have any kids. I don't want any freaking kids. Um, So what's going to happen to all my stuff? I hadn't really even kind of put it in those terms. So uh, I guess I need to start thinking about it. What stuff? You're just going to resell it. All right. So that, let me, let me address (laughs) that fucking thing right now. God damn it. I don't resell everything. I have a personal collection, just like everyone else. This is my business. So I have to sell some things. Now, I'm in a position where I don't have to sell everything anymore. There are tons of pieces that I regret selling early on. And the reason I had to sell early on is because I was broke as a freaking joke and there was money that I had tied up. So, what do you do when your back's against the wall? You sell, sell, sell. Now, I don't have to. So, um, for everyone out there thinking that I just see axes as a dollar signs, you can go fuck off because that's not how I feel at all. I love axes. I love the history of them and I love the significance of them and I collect them. So, for the record, that's where I stand on axes. All Silence!
0: Right. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way. Um no, so it was really cool, uh the whole entire thing, just being able to meet everybody. Obviously, uh freebie, Brent was there. I hate him. Um <laughs> Willie. <laughs> Willie, <laughs> Willie was there and it was really great to meet him and talk with him and sort of get a different perspective of uh you know what he's doing and, and sort of like how he's doing it and that was really cool. And the axes and what he had, he had like a whole back of his truck was full of stuff and he had some yeah. cool pieces. He had the one alias piece from Man Edge Tool Company, which I had never actually seen with my eyes before. i seen it in the books and, and things like that, catalogs. So that was cool to be able to talk to him about and what the history was behind that piece.
2: Um, so then, did you all, did you all like, um, Realize realized that it felt like time was just kind of really weird. I don't know that better explanation for it, but it was like you got there, Killinger got there, and then all of a sudden it's 9 o'clock at night and we still hadn't hung out with each other. Like I didn't feel like I got to hang out with any one person for any amount of time, and, and you guys in particular. Like, we were just all freaking talking and rattling on, and it's just like, God, God dang. I never get to see these guys. It was weird. I know I was
0: thinking on the way home, um, and I think maybe the next day there when some of the pictures started coming out that guys had posted, especially with pictures of guys in the shop, I bet you I spent under 10 minutes total in your shop. You son of a bitch. Probably because I well I was outside and then I was talking to the Hawk Creek guys and then I was talking to Freebie and I was talking to Willie and yeah. I was talking to Messer and I was talking to Trueblood and they were all set up outside so like I was just sort of milling around out there um, and never really spent a, a ton of time inside because um, I was actually messing around with Keller Keller posted a picture of his setup and I was like oh you were actually there I don't actually remember <laughs> seeing his stuff. I don't remember seeing his stuff set up in there. So that's like how much non-time, little time that I actually spent in the shop. So, yeah, but it was, it was weird. You know, I'd be talking to somebody and then somebody else would be, you know, like Willie got there and he was setting up his stuff. I'm like, man, I got to get down here. I got to go see what's going on down here. So it was, yeah. it was still a
2: great time. And you add beers on top of that and the timeline gets real real shaky real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I, uh, I was, I, I don't want to say I, well, whenever Killinger got there, I cleared off a little space for him. He unrolled his axe roll and then set up his pieces along the side, but I didn't, like there was, it seemed like there was always people in the back room and I couldn't get back to see what Killer was up to, uh, in his pieces. I mean, I've, I've seen him before, but I didn't see exactly what it was until that picture that you're talking about popped up on Instagram. And I was like, holy shit, he had a nice little setup back there. I, man, I feel like an asshole. I didn't get back there and hang out with him.
1: I only brought um, like five axes, and I only brought the axes that had like a significant leather piece to them. Mm-hmm. So, because it's, <clears throat> what do you think? You know, I mean, I probably have a hundred axes. You know,
2: you
1: yeah. Bring, or, I mean, I, I know I have more than a hundred, but I probably have a hundred axes worthy of bringing. I mean, you could bring the whole Norland collection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's just, it's it's just kind of nonsense for an event like that because there's so much there to see already. So I just I only brought five, and it was just stuff with significant
2: leather on it. Well, that basket weave and traditional, the traditional sheaths that you've done, I saw those, and they're just, man, they're fantastic. That black one, golly, it's just over-the-top gorgeous. The black one's my favorite. I love it. I love it. And the freaking ax roll. Jeez (laughs)
1: Louise.
2: I never even saw it. Ax
1: roll, you didn't even see me walk in with it?
0: I said i walk in with it like a man purse thing on. <laughs> Just strutting around like you were coming down the catwalk with it. Seriously. Like that's, that's, and that's all that I saw.
2: And you've been, you've been all over his ass, Miller, to, to make, have him make you one and you didn't even go and check it out and ooh and all over it.
0: I'm very comfortable in the fact that I know that whatever he makes is going to be top notch, 100% over the top. Ohio leather quality. <laughs> oh, so I don't need to see it.
2: Um, eyes, whatever it
0: is. The way that I figured, I've been waiting so long now for my leather sheath for my uh, Adventure Sworn Knife that by the time that this leather roll shows up with a thousand times more leather to it, I'll probably, well, it'll probably be whenever we're having a party at your house, like my 65th birthday. <laughs>
2: That's what you got right. there? What you got there, Killer?
0: It's on deck,
2: Miller. It's here. Okay. Is that is that his exact knife? It's his knife. I love those scales, man. Those are really pretty. Just sitting
1: here waiting for me to get to it. I was trying to get to it before the meet, um, but it just I couldn't make it happen, man. It just it's crazy here. I don't know. What, I don't know really what the hell I'm doing here and how I'm gonna. So give us the status, what's going on? I'm just buried deep in orders for leather and then there's like ten million things to do around the house. I'm not and not even unpacked. Like I'm living out of boxes and it's just it's chaos.
0: I told you that I would come over this weekend and basically be your your little uh grum boy. And go do whatever you want me to do. Like, if you want me to go and pet the goats, like, I'll go pet the goats or, like, run the electric <laughs> fence or whatever. <laughs> I told you I would go do whatever you needed to take stuff
2: off your plate. You're, you're so go, sweet! You my goodness, go you're so sweet! You're so sweet! And you're not so gonna he, take him up on that killer? Yeah, he said thanks,
0: but no thanks. And I'm just waller here in my busy misery.
2: You get back rubs <laughs> and reach arounds. You pass the yes. next shit up? Yes. <laughs> I told him come on down. I
1: don't. I don't know what I'll have him do, but he can uh, at least for moral support.
2: Dude, yeah. just whenever you're, you're moving around in the back of the shop, there's so much shit back there. You could say Miller, go clean up the shop and organize it a little bit. Just put it. There's just shit everywhere.
0: Basically, i tell you what I'll do for you, Keller, is that I will get that stuff, I'll take it, and in my organization process, I'll figure out what you don't need, and I'll put it in my truck. <laughs> and then I'll haul it over to Pennsylvania for you, and then that will be a win-win.
1: You're a true friend, Miller.
0: That's what I'm here for. I'm here for. So, talking about HJs and reach-arounds, before I forget, <laughs> we should probably... We should probably talk about this whole pink shirt phenomenon that happened oh at the get-together. Because people are going to want to know. And it was probably one of the highlights of the of the get-together. So why don't we have Killer? Why don't you give us a little bit of background on that, Killer, before we let Mr. Roy talk about that?
2: I don't need to talk about anything. I was not privy to any info. Here's all i got to say about it. I was totally fucking surprised, and I love it. So go ahead, Killer. Lead us lead us in,
0: I'm just disappointed you never put yours on, yeah yeah, you want to talk about a dick move.
1: <laughs> this dude goes through all this trouble to pull this off, and you know you can't even put it on it's... anyways j uh, c. <clears throat> Messer came up with this idea for these shirts, and um his what are Oh man, is is he married?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, I th- I think he's married.
0: I think you're right. Okay, I'm sorry, JC. His partner. We apologize in advance. His his
1: spirits. wife is a, it's a children's book illustrator. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this what makes it so great. So, he went to her and he's like, "Hey, can you make me... St- this logo that says Roy's Bag of Dicks, and it's it's literally a bag of dicks. Everything <laughs> think about if you were to think about a bag of dicks, that's what this is. It's dicks hanging out of a bag
2: with complete, a little spurtie on it,
1: <laughs> complete with a <the> splash, <clears throat> and it says Roy's Bag of Dicks. So J.C. on his own got this got this logo, and then he he went and printed up pink shirts for everyone. Well, a, a core group of us. How many people had them on? They're like five or six,
2: right? Yeah. What?
0: Five? I think? Well, Roy, Roy, was, Roy, Roy would have been.
2: Yeah, six. I think Roy would have been six, right? Mm-hmm. So, here's the thing. I don't know why I didn't put it on. I think, I mean, I'm going to use this excuse all freaking day. Like, the beer the uh, the Uh, It's the beer. The beer. That's why I didn't put it on.
0: That's actually a poor excuse, because it should have gone the other way, that as you kept drinking, you should have been like, I'm putting on this hot pink shirt with dicks on it.
2: (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I I got no good reason.
0: So a couple of the things, then, that we ended up talking about with these shirts, and I'm sure Roy can attest to this fact, is the life likeness of the actual dicks that were in the bag on the shirt mean, they look pretty good, especially coming from a woman that is a child book illustrator. <laughs> so, like, that whole piece really was was just taking blowing minds and like, hey, listen, this is actually really good. Uh, and then the whole part of where, like, I wonder what that process was like with whoever was actually doing the stickers and doing the t-shirts whenever they saw that, and they're like, huh. Well, let's see. This isn't, you know, like, this isn't just your common like you know double bed axe company logo something or other we have ourselves here a bag with three dicks in it and we're gonna put this on a hot pink not just a pink we're talking a hot (laughs) neon vibrant pink shirt and there's gonna be some idiots running around wearing this shirt i mean i can just imagine that conversation happening at that place
2: so i'm in the shop all right unbeknownst to me, just hanging out with people, and then my wife taps me on the shoulder, and she's like, oh, my God, you have to go see this. And I thought she was talking about an axe. And then here come you freaking fools, like five or six deep, looking like fucking reservoir dogs in hot pink freaking shirts, and I walk out, and it takes me a second to read and register, and I just lost my freaking mind. I just thought it was the funniest freaking thing, the 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 best thing that you guys could have done Um, So super thanks to JC and his wife for putting all that shit together. And if anyone doesn't know where that freaking thing came from, I was on a freaking rant on my Instagram page, and a couple of times I have said, if you don't like it, go eat a bag of dicks. And for whatever reason, that little catchphrase caught on with me and Vintage Axeworks, and you guys have just run... Run, run with it. And it's pretty freaking funny. So JC hit me up, I don't know, over a month ago. Hey, man, can you tell me where you got your stickers made? I want to get some stuff done. So I sent him my sticker guy info, and I, uh, of course that's where he freaking got them. So, like, it was right under my freaking nose the whole time. And you guys played it off really, really well. So good job on that for making it happen. So what you're saying is the stickers that we now have,
1: a bag of decks are complete garbage, they're not going to stick to anything. (laughs) I
2: I do have a problem with my stickers not sticking real well. Uh. No, but that was, uh, that was really
0: cool. killer had basically given me the lowdown, and of course I'd pretty much forgotten everything that was happening, so he comes over and gets me, he's like, come on over, we're going out to the vehicle. I'm like, oh, okay, like, let's go. So, like,
2: uh, hey, hey, hey.
0: Well, no, and then, like, four other guys are coming behind, and I'm like, oh, shit, like, am I getting a beat down? Like, they're all tired of my shit. And I'm like, I'm going to get my skull stomped in here at Roy's house. But, uh, no, he comes out, and then we're like, hey, listen, yeah, we got the shirts. And I was like, yes. And then it was, like, little girls at, like, a party or something. We're all out there giggling and hooting and hollering, and we're like, all right, let's pull together. Let's get in there. We go walking what? in. That was great. Now, your reaction was something. Your wife's reaction, like she absolutely loved it and just couldn't stop. Like she was laughing and and hooting, and that was
2: priceless as well. Yeah, she's awesome. So whenever you showed up, Chris, you had I noticed that you had a pink shirt on her, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And you were like, "Oh, I'm just layering up." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> that's kind of weird." And then <laughs> blanked out for, until I saw y'all. <laughs> and then just put the pieces together later, huh? That little sneaky son of a bitch. That's great. And that was fun. So did you did did you buy anything, Chris? Did you buy anything, Miller?
0: Um, did I buy anything? That is a good question. Did I actually? I traded. We had a couple swaps, uh, things like that. But I don't think I actually bought an X. I sold. A shit
2: ton of axes, which I was very happy with. Like, when you say shit ton, how many are you talking? Oh,
0: I don't know the exact number, but it was pretty high. 12, 15. <clears throat> what? Yeah. A lot. yeah. Shit ton is different than your term, which I don't know yeah. if it's listening or not, so I won't say it. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I sold, you know, between some hatchet heads, some axes, different things like that. Right around 12 to 15. I'll have to get the exact count. So I still haven't counted how many I came. Well, I counted the, the, the big ones, but I haven't, the other ones I haven't put the, put the total on, but I had told, I think it was Killinger. I told him, I was like, man, I'm like, I did, I, I sold a lot, which I was very happy to do. And, um, and the stories then that came with them because I was able to, to tell some of the guys that had bought some of those pieces, uh, like Hawk Creek Blades that we went over some of the pieces and, and things like that, what the historical significance was. Um Messer couple there and then that was was that that was Messer's old man that was there?
2: Is yeah, that? yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Talked with him, I don't know, four or five different times at length about some of the pieces. He was awesome to talk to and some of the stories and everything like that that he was able to share. Oh man. I had a I had a hell of a time talking to him. That was awesome. And then um Freebie and I. We had some stuff that was already worked out, so we were swapping axes, and um, yeah, it was. I, I did well. I mean, it was
2: great. I ended up. I ended up getting. <laughs> so the night the night before, I know we already mentioned the fire prevention axe, but Taylor shows up at my place on Friday night, and, and he's got this really good, clean uh, fire prevention, the clean cut little hatchet. With red still in it. I ended up buying that from him. He had a really nice wood slasher jersey. Like the old ones that we were talking about. That had Kelly Works and it. It was stamped in there. I got that. And then I bought. <laughs> unbeknownst to me. The following day. A big Collins Fire Axe. From Charles. And then he also sold me this. Did you guys see this big freaking. Kentucky. Jersey Legitimus that he sold me. So I, I, I almost, I, I remember this transaction like after the fact <laughs> because, because he was trying, he was wheeling and dealing with Taylor and I swoop in and I was like, listen, I'll buy that and you can take the handle out and I'll buy it for, I think I bought it for $70 or yeah, 70 bucks. But it's huge. And it's got the legitimate stamp on there. Collins, old-timer, Collinsville, Connecticut with the Legitimus stamp. I mean, it's a little weak up there. I mean, it's not a little. It's pretty weak. But it's got to be every bit of five pounds. And it's just like the the cutting edge is nice. So I swooped in and snaked this off of Taylor. And he was like, dude, what the fuck? That was my deal. And I was like, well, now it's my axe. And <laughs> I got that one. Oh, and you—I remember you were trying to give me a freaking uh, da, 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 a Winchester, and I was mm-hmm. like, dude, no, you know, don't, don't—I don't want a Winchester. I want that wood slasher, and you're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> that wood slasher doesn't mean shit compared to this Winchester. And I was like, yeah, but I'm trying to put a set together. You're always talking about sets, so I've got the wood slasher Dayton, your little hatchet. It wasn't—no, it was a boy's axe. Sorry your boy's axe, and then uh, Taylor's jersey, all stamped, Wood Slasher, Kelly Works. That's a cool little set. I like that. Absolutely. <coughs> hmm?
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's more than a Wood Slasher bucket, no doubt. Many- my Wood Slasher bucket did not actually go over that well. I think I sold the two, with, well, I sold the one and then gave you the other one, and then all the other ones were just in the bucket. But they're all the unmarked ones, you know, like yeah. B forty seven or A twenty eight or whatever. So, which is fine, no big deal. But still, uh, still good to have a bucket of wood slashers. You're an probably. idiot for bringing those down. You big fool. That's all right. But. What'd
2: you say? Who? Who? The, what'd you say about me being a little fucking girl scout or something like that? Well, did that, that that show up on some post or something? Is that what I'm thinking about?
0: That was with your uh your Oh, that was on later. my post. That was on your post.
2: Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. You're calling me a freaking Girl Scout?
0: It's because you drank more, of, more than your weight <laughs> in beer for that night. That's why you had to take 48 hours to recoup. But if that happens, what are you going to do? God, it was rough. That happens. So let's talk about Becky, the intern. Yeah. I got to spend some time with her. She was uh, at the table there. We were talking, talking about axes and this, that, or the other. So, And I was like, hey, so how's Roy treating you? Like, what's going on here? Like, is he having you, you know, do stuff? And so she's basically laying it out to me that, like, she gets to, what, like sweep the shop and, like, sing you songs, like, while you're working or something? Like, what's, what are we doing with her from an intern
2: perspective?
0: other than just having her do free manual labor.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you just, like, fucking around with me, or is that what she was saying?
0: I'm telling you, that's what I was there. That's what we talked about. I'm going to have to take her. She's going to have to be a double-bit axe
2: company intern now is what's going to happen. So I like Becky a lot. She's great. She's helped me out a lot. So... She had a lot of family things go on, so uh, and, and a lot of personal things going on, where she hasn't been out here very consistently the last, well, since Blade Show. So leading up to Blade Show, she helped me out. Like, I could not have put out all the work that I put out for Blade Show had she not been here. So she helped me clean heads. She helped me cut out blanks on the bandsaw. And she started shaping handles. She she hung a lot of heads that went to blade show. So she would start on them, and I was working on stuff, and she'd get a good hang, or she'd get going on something, and it would kind of go sideways, and I'd stop and help and do a little course correction or whatever. Um, and then we would take that and set it aside. She helped me out a ton on all the epoxy. She was here for, like, all those epoxy pours. Um But even, even with how much I do this, whenever I go back into the shop, like last week, I did not work in the shop almost at all. And I didn't work in the shop the weekend and on Monday. So whenever I went out there yesterday, I was going in pretty cold, right? Even though I've been doing this for a while, it, it took me a second to get back into the groove of things um just especially on the two by 72 um sharpening stuff like it's not something that you just walk away from and you can pick it up immediately and she hasn't had enough experience on those on the on those pieces of equipment where i feel super comfortable where she hasn't she hasn't probably turned on the 2x72 in months. So for me to say, here, go shape this handle, I'd have to be back there watching her, and which is fine. It's especially fine right now because I'm not um, trying to put out orders and do stuff for Blade Show and all that sort of stuff. So I have the time to be able to help her, but she just hasn't been here consistently enough for me to feel confident
0: I, and I also, I told her that I wanted a progress report back
2: on the flint edge swamper.
0: So, the flint edge swamper. I gave her that flint edge and I told her I wanted a progress report back as she continued to work on it, get it shaped and get so it listen, all pretty.
2: She has the skill and ability to take that head, clean it up, sharpen it and hang it and Rough, rough shape it, and we can hang it together, like do the final hang together. So she she has the ability to do all that stuff. Um, and, and on the days that she has been available to come out here, I like last week, I was scrambling around trying to get things in order. Like, you fuckers didn't realize how nice the yard looked. That took me a long fucking time. You guys didn't bother to notice that the house was sparkling white clean. It took me three days to power wash the goddamn house. You're welcome. Um, so the days that she was available, I was doing other things to get ready for the, the party. Um Sometimes like, you know, just schedules don't line up. She's off two days a week. I think it's Tuesdays and Thursdays and I go to the chiropractor every other week. I've been, I have I gone I've gone to the doctor. I got freaking problems. Uh so just shit just happened to not line up. So she hasn't been out here very often. Um I wish she was here more. She's helped out a ton. And I just got hit up the other day, yesterday after posting that draw Night video. Someone wanted to know if they, if I had room for a freaking, uh, an apprentice. And I was like, I've already got one. Her name is Becky. She's awesome. So that, that's the story with Becky. And that's why we're, where we are, we're today. Go.
1: Uh, speak, speaking of apprentices. Yeah. Uh, if, if anybody wants to apprentice me and learn leather work. I can't pay you, but I'll give you an education. On goats? Just come out, Miller.
2: I told you you I would go. I told (laughs) you I would go. If you're here, I'll put you to work. That wasn't the story freaking 15 minutes ago. Like, Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. I'll I'll figure it out.
0: You can get me started on Miller saddle works. Come get I don't know why I picked saddle. I'll never do a saddle, but it sounds cool. That's what I should
1: be doing. I should be learning how to make saddles, because that would pay way more money than all this. Right.
0: And then I'll do the sheets for you. Yeah.
2: So, sort of on off topic, we need to talk about leather, because we had a little incident. I don't know if we want to talk about that right now, or if we can save that for later. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, do it. Do it? So... Someone got offended by what we were talking about, uh, last week because we were joking around about, I think, Miller, you said leather was an afterthought or a side note, side note to the Axe his- history. history, which historically is accurate. Now, can you have you found or have, do you remember looking through any of your catalogs? where companies like Kelly, Collins, Palmer, whatever, had an axe, and they had a corresponding sheath to go with it.
0: They had sheets, but they were um, plain Jane, basic, uh, nothing to them, really. The only time that I've ever seen sheaths from a historical perspective that had any kind of either markings or intricacies or any kind of, like, I don't know what you want to call it, like work put into them mm-hmm. um, where the Boy Scout sheets and those probably don't count. Those just had that Boy Scout emblem stamped into a sheath, and those sheets is quality
2: wise ranged all over the place, right? Um, for the, I have a, for the, mo- for the most part they were junk. They had those really, really shitty rivets where they starred out on the back and they didn't have any welt, right? And, and they're like one size fits most.
0: <laughs> and usually they just had the one strap that went around the back that would usually break all the yeah. time around the pole, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh The only other one then that I've seen that I have is I have a bluegrass <laughs> one that goes on a half hatchet and it has the big bluegrass stamp in it. It's, it's old. It's again, basic. The stamp isn't very deep, anything like that. So even whenever you look in the catalogs, um, I wish I had where was the one I was looking at last night it was it was just basic and it it said uh a sheath can be provided if so, and you know made out of, out of I forget regular leather stamps mm-hmm. blah 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 so that's it that's really all that that you ever see again from a historical
2: perspective with the leather piece so what's interesting is that you have all of these really beautifully etched pieces. With gold inlay, whatever, and in the catalog they're displayed beautifully, and they're sold. They're sold. How how the the distributor would send them out to all of the retail places. They would actually bundle them up, put them in like a, a, a like a potato sack, and then put them in a box and nail on the top runners to these boxes, and that's how they would ship them out. So they were clanging all around these beautiful axes with beautiful finishes on there. Leather wasn't um, it wasn't a priority. And I don't know why it wasn't. It just wasn't. Are you getting ready to say something killer? You came over looking like you had a purpose.
1: No, I, actually,
2: I had to, I actually had to step out, so I really didn't hear that. Okay. So whenever I see sheaths, um, more times than not, I see them or I saw them on Pulaski's, and I saw them on forest service pieces because those guys were using them and abusing them, the tools, and – almost every sheath that I found on a Pulaski or whatever is also stamped USFS, so the United States Forest Service. So those guys went out of their way to put leather on those tools. They didn't come with sheaths on them. And whenever we want to talk about that, like when did, Kellinger get in on this, when did it become kind of standard fare to offer Nice custom leather for axes. It never has. So it's okay. Go ahead and explain. I mean, really,
1: if you look at it as <clears throat> the only companies, I mean, not, not a hundred percent true, but Grants for Brook and Holtzbrook were the only companies offering sheaths with their axes that it came standard up until a few years ago when Council Toll decided to jump on this this bandwagon,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: so now Council Toll had sheaths, but it wasn't common knowledge, nor was it something that it that came with the axes, and it's still not. You have to buy a so, certain thing in order for it to have an, a sheath.
2: So if you go to the hardware store, even you know in 1980, you went to the hardware store and there was a Grand or there was a, a rail splitter from Collins. There wasn't the axe and then a pile of sheaths. It, it just wasn't that way.
1: Let me. You're correct, and let me back up here. Um, Norland mm-hmm. is is the only company that stands out in my mind that had a sheath with every axe. And they, they were
2: junk. Total junk.
1: Total junk. But it came with the axes. Now you see some of the old plum hatchets and, you know, the Boy Scout stuff. I think, I think of yeah. yeah.
2: That's that style uh, right there where it's, the uh, it's a fold mill. over top. It seemed like anything
1: that was related to a woodsman, which would also be known as bushcrafter now,
2: came with a shield. But Nothing was, on a full size.
1: No, your standard, unless it was Norland. Now Norland had like their cabin axe was a full size axe in with a sheath. So it wasn't a thing, and it still isn't a thing. I, I don't want to pick on anyone. And, and if you're listening, you'll take this personally. But I'm in obviously Axe Hounds Facebook group. That's that's my group. I'm the admin there's close to 3000 members. Mm-hmm. I actually post in there about my leather work and I can count on one hand how many of those guys own my leather work.
2: Yeah. And it's yeah.
1: nothing. Not, I don't think anybody owns any of my custom stuff. So it's just not, it's not commonplace and it is an afterthought and it's not to pick on anybody that's in this business. And and some people may have varying degrees of success with what they do. Good on you. But my number one leather product is not axe sheets. And I think I make a very nice axe sheet at a very affordable price.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I don't understand some of these guys – They sharpen these axes till they're freaking razor sharp to where they could do surgery with them. And then they just carry it around in the woods with no nothing covering the blade? Does does that make any sense?
2: No, not at all.
1: You wouldn't walk around in the woods with your knife in your hand like this, would you? Like <laughs> And this is just as sharp or this the axe is just as sharp as the knife and they're they're walking around in the woods. I I don't get it. So, whatever. Rant over.
2: Well, I don't think it's a rant. I think (laughs) think it's... uh, We're trying to get to the bottom of this. And you know what? Um, I think in today's market, I think Hoffman has a little bit to do with something because every axe that he sends out has a a nice, beautiful, well-handcrafted sheath on there. So... In, in today's reality, if you're selling a premium axe, customers expect a premium sheath. Every axe that I send out has a sheath on it. And if someone doesn't want a sheath, it's the same price. I'm essentially giving away my leather for free. And it pains me to do that because leather is expected. Yes, there are aftermarket sheaths that you can get. There are definitely a lot of custom axe sheath makers out there, and they do a phenomenal job, Chris included. And I think they're supplementing, um, this business. You know, this, these guys that have these really super sharp vintage axes, they're, they're filling in the gaps because these axes that, that you and I are talking about, Miller, they never came from the factory that way. I mean, all those wood slashers, Dude, the the sheath probably would be would be worth more than the than the head itself on the wood slasher.
0: Quit banging on the wood slashers, okay?
2: You know what? Like my point is, is they were cranking out so many freaking wood slashers. Do you think that in a second they ever thought about putting a sheath on that thing?
0: No, no fucking because it, it, so here here's the thing. And so if we take it back <coughs> to the historical perspective which i was originally talking about and i think where this got into a little trouble was that i said hey listen you know if i make this axe book and we're going to be talking all about the history of axes and this that and the other and everything that goes along with it and i was basically taking a dig at killer and like listen we're not going to have anything on leather because leather is a side note in axe history that is 100 percent true there's no getting around it that is a fact Okay. Now there's the big difference in today's society is the difference between facts and feelings. But if you look at historically, those axes are not going to come with a sheath because they weren't needed. Okay. If you look at those lumber camps stuff like that, those axes, and to your point, when they made them, they were in you know put in those wooden crates. They were sent off, shipped. They got to logging camp. Those were all hauled out to the woods with the guys. It's not like they were carrying them. They carried carried them to the work site a very short distance. They used them. Off they went. It was actually more of a hindrance than anything. To your point then with the Forest Service and things like that, yeah, you started to see the sheets and everything come around with that, and then they had their own individual markings. Those were for guys that were doing that every day, and they actually were transporting that, which is a little bit different than your typical logging camp.
2: Yeah, they were on a trail crew humping those freaking tools, and they didn't want to get jacked up.
0: Correct. Now, you never really saw, the way that I see it anyways, you never really saw the sheath come back to the popularity that it is right now until you had the axes come back. And when did the axes come back? They came back with our, our favorite guy, Mr. Survivor and then the whole uprising of the bushcraft community. These bushcraft guys, to Chris's point, aren't going to go out – and do their camping and that whole bushcraft scene without having leather on that axe that they got to transport either in their hand or on their bag or somehow and not have leather on. It. So now you get into this thing where, okay, well now in today's society, if I'm going to be buying an axe of any, you know, any kind, it's almost assumed that leather has to come with it. And that's just not the way that it was right. back in the day. And if you did get leather with it back in the day, then it wasn't that great quality. Now we see the stuff. There's some absolute drop-dead amazing leather work going on for these knife sheaths, axe sheaths, hatchet sheaths. It's amazing what some of these guys are doing. I mean, I love it. I, I, I know I can't do that. I would not be able to do that in a million years. But to get all fired up and say, hey, I'm mad that leather is a side note in history, well, that's a fact. And that's just the way that it is. So.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. But, you know, I'm,
0: stuff like that, it is what it is. Like, I know there's, there's tool guys out there where I'm friends with them and I follow them and they're like, listen, I'm not into axes. They don't mean anything to me. I'm more into hammers and anvils and presses. Vices. And vices and all this other stuff. But, you know we're still buds and like, I don't unfollow them or they unfollow me or anything like that. I appreciate what they're doing and this and the other. So I don't know. I don't get some of the, uh, modern fact over feeling things today or more so feeling over facts, but it is what it is. So, but that's why I said it.
2: Well, it's true. So, yeah. And in, in that context, it's absolutely true. And, Thank you, Survivor Man. What, what's his name? Uh, Les Stroud. Thank you, Cody from Wrangler Star. Thank you, Hoffman. Thank you, Vintage Axeworks, Works for putting leather, so for making leather freaking a standard option in today's market. If we were still, if we were a hundred years ago, some of these leather guys they wouldn't be making axe sheaths, they'd be making nice sheaths, and they'd be making belts and suspenders and whatever. And all these guys, man, I shouldn't say all of them, all the guys that I follow, they put out phenomenal work. So um, it's cool that they're able to make axe sheaths look and function as well as they do. So I'm um, I don't know. That's all i got to say about freaking leather. Keller,
1: you got any final thoughts on it? Let's make leather uh, leather great again.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: Yes. Oh, you're an idiot.
0: You can't do an axe today, though, of any degree, whether Grantsford is selling it, whether Council is going to sell it, whether whoever is going to sell it, at any level, new axe, old axe, hatchet, Whatever it is, and not put leather on there. It's just it's an expectation now to have it on there. And uh, to your point, Roy, is that it better be some pretty darn good stuff too, because you better not be putting old like basic plum national pattern scout leather on there that's shit and is cheap and it's only going to last you know a little bit. It better be some good stuff.
2: Yeah, we're all we're all constantly pushing each other, right? So whenever I first started out working on leather, I I used candy leather and I used their, I forgot the, the bottom of the barrel, it's like their Craftsman hide or something like that and it's, it's either like six, seven ounce or seven, eight ounce or something and it's total shit, I mean there's fur not fur, it's like super fuzzy on the inside, it's so inconsistent it's just total total junk and then I got a little bit more experience, I got a little bit better at it and then and then Hoffman, he was putting out posts, and he specifically said, whenever you buy a Hoffman axe, our leather is not an afterthought. It's an integral piece to this tool. All right? So this guy's making really, really awesome axes. Now he's making really, really awesome sheaths. If I want to compete with him and I want to be in that market, I got to do the same thing. So I saw Chris Killinger uh, two years ago make a post about thoroughbred leather. They just happened to be down in Louisville, which is an hour and 10 minutes from me. So I took a drive down there and I said, Listen, I don't want to be a copycat, but that stuff that Chris Killinger posted, um, that English bridal walnut or whatever it was, I was like, that stuff was beautiful and banging. I'd like to get some. And I bought my first hide. And you whenever you buy a hide, it's like a, a full side of a freaking cow. And it's, you just, Kind of a swag number, easily $200. Um, compared to a little shoulder piece from Tandy Leather, which is like 45 bucks. So from $45 to $200, I was like, Oh my God, this is a big deal. And whenever I started working it, well, there's a reason that it's more expensive. There's a reason why the quality is the finished product is a, is better quality than anything that you can put out from Tandy. Whenever you start with a better product, the final product is going to be way, way better. And all the all the hides, the cows are grown in the U.S. They're sent to Mexico um, because the the tanneries. The, the, the guy down at Thoroughbred was doing was explaining where everything comes from because I was like, I want to I want to have U.S. hides, and he was like, Listen, the cows come from the U.S., but. Everyone in the world sends the hides down to this part of Mexico because these people are born and bred to be tanners. That's where everyone processes them. And then they get shipped back to the states, and we further do other processes and make them into the product that you see today. And he goes, you tell me, is this an American product or is it not? It's made in the U.S., shipped over to Mexico to get processed, then further processed back in the states. He's like, as far as I'm concerned, that's a U.S. product. Yeah, and it's fucking amazing. I'm not getting anything from, from Thoroughbred to say this. They put out some amazing leather. I'm sure Chris would say the same thing about Weaver. Weaver leather, banging freaking product. So it, it, that, that that's just where we are. So we're constantly pushing each other to do better and offer things um, to the highest level. And with with Hoffman putting out amazing leather, with Killinger putting out amazing leather, Colton putting out amazing leather, uh, One Wolf Leather from up in BC or Alberta, he does great leather work. Badger Claw does great leather work. Yes, sir. There, there are just lots and lots of really good leather guys and if you want to be in the axe game, you need to be in the leather game as well. And that's, unfortunately, the world that I live in today because anyone who knows me knows that I, I freaking hate doing leather. I hate it. I don't know how Chris Killinger, he's been working this whole time. That's why he's been kind of quiet. He's back there plugging away on, on 1,600 freaking knife, knife sheath orders. I don't know how you do it. Killer. How do you
1: do I it? Just, I, do, I do it one at a time.
2: <laughs> oh, God, I hate you. I hate you. Um,
1: you know, I, I do a lot of wholesale stuff now, and and I'm thankful for it because, I, you know, the one-off stuff is just, it's very few and far in between, and most people don't want to pay it, pay what it costs. So, you know, you want to play the game, you just got to change your uh, strategy, and I switched to doing a lot of wholesale work. And it gets, it gets like monotonous. I mean, in a year's time, I'm pushing a thousand knife sheaths in a year. Um I, I'm getting close to that number. I actually, I want to go back through and count the the purchase orders so that when I get to that thousandth one, I can just kind of like, maybe I'll save it. and Do a fist bump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, like. Maybe it'll go to Miller, whatever. But I know if you combine <laughs> if you combine axe sheaths and knife sheaths together over the last year, I'm over a thousand, well over a thousand. But yeah. I just knife sheaths, that's that's like a a point for me because it's making the same product a thousand times mm-hmm. in an, in a short amount of time. So you know the way you it's just a process and, and you know it it takes X amount of time to make one sheath, but if you do a hundred of that that same sheath, you're still spending the same amount of time. You're just doing doing it a hundred times. So I don't know. You just take each step as it comes. You get you know fifty sheaths to this point. And you to the point and then you get them to the next point. Then you get them to the next and Then
2: yeah, you just keep- yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Keep telling yourself there's light at the end of the
2: tunnel. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of the same way if I do a big run on axes, uh, especially those uh, trophy axes from Flying Axes. Sometimes they order four, sometimes they order 10, 12. And if you're doing, if I'm doing 12 hatchets, I mean, that becomes monotonous in itself. I can't imagine an order for 100. It would just kill me. Um, you just knock out the same processes and go from there. But, you know, they're they're my only wholesale account, and um, I can tell you that I've done a lot of business with them over the years, and it's nice to have these wholesale accounts to kind of fill in the gaps whenever you have order fluctuation throughout the month. You can kind of count on wholesale accounts always being there for that quarter or for that month just to level out the income. And it's nice. The work isn't very rewarding, but the paycheck is. Let's wrap it right there, boys. Thumbs up on Miller's side. You good with that, Chris? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> God, there's like a delay. Uh, let me stop what I'm doing. Unmute the phone. Yeah, I'm good.
0: podcast 12 in the books all thank you for listening the continued support loving chris's leather roy's axes and i guess me for just hosting so next time episode 13 later thanks see ya